Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And I get so excited when we have the opportunity to showcase some great work going on in our Nebraska schools. And certainly always have on the podcast folks uh, that are speaking to topics related to the good work that gets done each and every day. But we're getting the opportunity uh, to connect with Pawnee City Schools today and look at some of the work that they're doing there with math, uh, the support that's coming from ESU4 around those efforts. And so I'm really grateful today to be able to host and get to learn from Brian Ridinghouse, who is a superintendent and elementary principal there in Pawnee City, along with two of their teachers, Aiden Gira, who is a fourth grade teacher, and Hadley Sikora, fifth grade teacher there at Pawnee City Schools, and really grateful to also have Tara Gosman uh, with ESU4 on the call. So a lot of great educators today. We're gonna tell this story about some of the work that they've been doing with math. And it's really going to start off with Brian, who is, again, the superintendent. We kind of set the stage for us with regards to this work, and we'll get a chance to explore the evolution of that over the course of today's conversation. So, Brian, thanks. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, this all started uh, with ESSER money. And ESSER money, of course, was the money that came from the federal government to help fund initiatives for learning loss. And like many schools, you know, we were making a lot of quick decisions when the pandemic hit and we were trying to, you know, make decisions that was best for students, but maybe not have the time to to really think those through the way that they probably deserved. And one of the the decisions we made was to utilize some of those funds to pay for a new curriculum. And we purchased the Eureka Math curriculum, and it went into effect in the 21 school year. Sometime later, our Title I teacher, who's also one of our test coordinators, and she's one of the co-chairs for our continuous improvement, attended a professional development and came back and told me about this uh, math acceleration opportunity through the Department of Education in conjunction with a, an outfit known as Instruction Partners, and said that she thinks this would be a worthwhile use of our time. And so we signed up, and it ended up being in, done in conjunction with ESU4, Pawnee City Public Schools, and a neighbor school, HTRS, and it was intended to help implement new curriculum. And the curriculum we'd used before was, you know, we, we knew that it needed to be changed. So this was a good opportunity to do that. In that first year, we really didn't have much implementation support for teachers. And so this was a great opportunity to provide that. And it ended up being a much better experience than I would have anticipated. And I think it's done great things. Oh, well, thanks for kind of opening up that uh, as a way to start to explore the story behind this particular effort. And uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, we have Tara on here from ESU4. And so I'm going to maybe throw it to her at this point to sort of say, because as you alluded to there, Brian, uh, that support piece coming alongside the Eureka math curriculum. Um, Tara, are we talking about high quality instructional materials here and the supports that come around it? We're talking about all the things. So um, they have a great material. Eureka is fantastic. However, we know that it's it's a lot more than giving teachers materials and unpacking them. It's implementing those materials in an effective way and having coherence in their district. So by doing things like creating a math vision with student actions and teacher actions, we have expectations of use with the materials. 
Brian's doing a great job of doing walkthroughs based off of that vision tool. So having everybody on the same page, um, creating structures for coherence and designating time to have those conversations with the teachers was really impactful. Yeah, and I know that to be very thoughtful efforts and, and very detailed efforts sometimes. Uh, and I think Brian alluded to it in uh, the opening there that it's something that you don't always have the space or the support to do without some real intentionality uh, in the way that this conversation hopefully will continue to capture as we chat. And so uh, I'd be curious to hear from Aiden or from Hadley uh, regarding, yeah, that early piece, like setting that vision in place, for example. Um, what was sort of the experience as you were initially transitioning from what you had done previously, kind of onboarding to the Eureka curriculum? I would say something kind of special for me was this is my first job in my first year. So coming in, it was all brand new to me. So it was kind of nice to go through something so like complex as new curriculum, let alone like your first year trying to do it. So I honestly like it is a lot of work, but it's it was super beneficial for me to have that many people helping me in the process of figuring out like what's important with a curriculum that provides so much to use and it kind of helped us get into a central goal for us to be using it all sort of the same way even though we're all at different grade levels so it was extremely helpful with having almost no prior knowledge digging into a new curriculum for me yeah so I was able to have both curriculums and the curriculum change itself was the big change and the big change for especially for teachers who have done it for quite a few years. So there was the new part of it's just new to us. And but I think one of the reasons we wanted to switch to curriculum is especially as an, a fifth grade teacher, we were realizing that students were getting here and they had learned math and maybe had done well with math when they were younger, but they really weren't understanding some of the important basics of math so they could answer problems, but really the concepts they were we're struggling with. So that was one of the reasons we wanted to go to Eureka. But then making that switch, teaching was so much different. So we had to figure out as, as a school, what is actually important with teaching math? And I think one of the visions we came to was that we want kids to actually understand what's happening in math, not just the quickest way to get an answer. Um, but doing that meant we had to teach it differently. And we also had to be on the same page that if this is the way we're going to teach it, we're all going to have to teach it this way. And it's it's difficult as a teacher when you have kids that struggle. You want to give them what's the easiest way to kind of help them through. But for all of us to kind of come together and get on the same page, it helps the older teachers because sometimes we see that in younger grades, and I can do this myself with the old teachers, then you can teach them something to kind of get them through, but that really kind of hurts them down the road. So I thought all the teachers getting together, coming with, hey, we want kids to understand the concept of math, and therefore we need to teach it this way, and this is the thing we need to use, and we're going to stick to it, I think got us all kind of on the same page. And I think fleshing out that vision was pretty beneficial. Wow. It makes me think of my own experiences going through school where I feel like there were times where I didn't really understand what we were doing, but I could mimic what was going on in class enough to pass the test at the moment. And then when we switched to the next subject. I probably couldn't tell you what we did two units ago. Uh, and so having the opportunity to have, be a, a little more intentional with some of those concepts and strategies, I'm sure is a, a major boost uh, for kiddos being able to sort of like continue to grow longitudinally, as you're saying, over time, year to year. And 
I would imagine then the, bringing everybody together, um, not only once a vision's established, but then kind of bringing that into practice is a little bit of the, uh, the challenge with work like this, perhaps. And maybe I'm using words that you all wouldn't. So uh, what would you say, I guess, were some of those adventures in early onboarding <laughs> is maybe the way I would put it. Sure. So, you know, when you work in a small school, you wear a lot of hats and, and the hardest part um, is just finding time. And, you know, that's what I will give Tara a lot of credit for with the service unit, as well as the, the folks at Instruction Partners is they were incredibly persistent and they made things happen. Sometimes, uh, you know, early on, I don't think, you know, for me, for example, I don't think I really valued how useful this was going to be. And to have someone that persistent, but yet in a way that is respectful to our time and, and all that we have to do, um, that was important. And, you know, as an administrator, one of your important, most important jobs is to identify people doing good things. And when those good things start to happen, you need to clear a path for them. And early on, I don't think, I, you know, the light bulb hadn't come on, but over time, that light bulb started to come on, like, we're doing great things here. We need to clear a path for these people so they can do these good things and kind of hold back those obstructions to getting access to this stuff. And so that involved providing opportunities to do the professional development, um, setting aside time, uh, we, you know, by example, demonstrating that this is something important. And if you model that, then hopefully the staff and then subsequently the students will see the value of that. But I would say early on to the original question, the biggest challenge was just juggling this with everything else. The value of it came with doing it, and it was much easier to set it as a priority once we saw the value of it. I would say for me, I think early on, much like Brian, we didn't really know what math acceleration was like. We didn't know what it would, it's a two-year process. So to even kind of think about what does this look like after two years was probably a little bit foggy for all of us. But as we started creating the structures and having the conversations, I think little by little, everybody realized this is good stuff. This is really beneficial for everyone. And as we started seeing in our walkthroughs, the IPGs, as when the scores started going up from our walkthroughs, the capacity building of the teachers and the conversations they started to have were getting deeper and more impactful. We started doing some peer observations, those types of things. The momentum just kept growing. And it got to the point where this year, I feel like we had almost every month a PD session where all morning was just math. And we were able to just keep going, what's next, what's next, what's next, and just keep building it. So in the beginning, it was just a little foggy. And then kind of like Brian said, it was like the clouds opened and we saw a clear path of this is good stuff. We're all on board. Let's let's go. Yeah. And so Tara, I heard you say structures there. And so maybe Aiden or Hadley would speak a little bit too. Um, for people that aren't familiar, right? What What is an IPG? Uh, talk about these walkthroughs uh, and maybe some of those, the structural pieces that have really helped. I, I, I get the sense there's a really clear alignment here um, in, in everyone's efforts, which is certainly part of it. But that comes from, I think, as Brian alluded to, space and time and uh, intentionality. Yeah, I think one of the main things, the first things we look for is if we're reaching a grade level standard, 
Um, is it something we're supposed to be teaching? Is it targeting something that is on grade level? We've discussed too that it could be a little bit below, a little bit above. It just depends on sometimes like you're building up to something, but overall you want to make sure you're focusing on something that is grade level standard. I'm trying to think what else is well, I, I can <laughs> jump in there just getting started with the professional development um, because uh, I've been teaching for a few years. So uh, as a teacher, you know, we would never say this out loud, but when we have professional development and we see that on the calendar, um, we're not always necessarily excited about it because the, the thing that we teachers always say is, well, we go to it and does this actually apply to what I'm doing? Can I actually use this? So I think for teachers, probably when we first got started with this, the concern, I suppose, was like every concern we have, is this going to be something that actually is going to be beneficial? But I don't think it took us too long to figure out that like this was something that we got excited about for professional development, which is not always, I suppose, for the people coming in, this is probably the hardest thing when they go work at the school is do the teachers actually want to be engaged and, and improve or, and care about what we're bringing in. And I think for us, we immediately saw the value that, okay, this is something we're actually doing in our classroom. This is Eureka. This is what we're teaching. So how can we get better at it? So I think right away for teachers, we kind of got the, like, hey, let's, you know, let's actually commit to this and let's get good. I think right away as teachers, we wanted to get into other teachers' classrooms with those walkthroughs to see what are other you know, teachers doing. Um, we're in a small school. So like as the fifth grade teacher, I'm the only fifth grade teacher. And as the fourth grade teacher, the only fourth grade teacher. So we don't get a chance to really work with other teachers too much. So this is an opportunity. Okay, let's get in. Let's see how they're doing it. Is there ways that we can improve? And let's get all on the same page. So I think right away for teachers, us getting on the same page and getting buying into the program that this could actually help was a big step. And I think the walkthroughs were were important. We were able to get in other teachers' rooms, see what they're doing. We A, you just learn from that. B, you also see how what I'm doing in my classroom is important for the next teacher or what someone is doing. Hey, you know, you can give them encouragement. Yeah, you need you need to be working on this because when they get to my class, it's something they have to have. So I think those walkthroughs were a big piece. I know the teachers wanted it, and I think we're all been excited about that. And then to the IPGs, that was good because we had this vision. Uh, but we want kids to kind of understand, but then what should every lesson look like? So with that, I mean, it's pretty detailed on this is what kids need to be doing. This is what teachers need to be doing. And like I said, when we first did them, we realized our scores were not at all where we wanted them to be um, from the student actions and the teacher actions. So, it, but that was just a help to see that this is what we're teaching in the classroom, but this is where we need to be. And And now you actually saw like a vision of how we could actually get there. It wasn't this kind of abstract. It was a lot more concrete, we can look, this is this is what we're looking for and ways to improve, so. I would no. say with, with most things, we wanted to collect data to help drive our next steps in our professional development. So the IPG, the first part of it is very much focused on, is there a standard? Are we using background knowledge? Are we hitting the level of rigor that's expected for the standard? And then the second part of it is really focused on the instruction and the student understanding. So. Are we checking for understanding? Not necessarily answers, understanding, which is different. And then what kind of feedback are we giving to our students and what level? That is where we really bridged. We have a lot of great structures, but year two was really focused on math instruction. So that's where we brought in the principles to actions. And we talked about productive struggle and student discourse. 
um, releasing the control from the teacher to the students so they have the cognitive load. And that really changed, I think, how the teachers were teaching. It was less focused on the materials, but just good math instructional practices. Well, the IBG is effectively a rubric that was created by instruction partners that outlines, and the one we used was actually an abridged version for the state of Nebraska that they, correct me if I'm wrong, Tara, they worked with the Department of Education to identify the factors that their research and, and their analytics said were the most important factors to provide the best instruction that aligned to the state standards. And I will say, you know, over the years, you've done a lot of different professional development. And the problem with a lot of professional development, is, as Mr. Sikora alluded to, is it's often a one and done sort of thing. And, you know, come and you get a great presentation, but there's no follow through. And, you know, every school is guilty of that. Never had a professional development opportunity as valuable to the most important jobs of a school as this was. Uh, I've never had anything that says you do these few simple things and students will perform better. I mean, that's never happened in any professional development I've been involved with. And we're going to continue to provide that follow through for two plus years um, with very intentional, targeted professional development and support. You do these things, students will succeed. And at the end of the day, schools do a lot of different things, but we've got two fundamental responsibilities, student safety and core instruction. And we've got to do those things as well as possible. And this gets back to those very basic elements of education. And not surprising, that's maybe why the teachers found that buy-in, because it provided them with access to do the most fundamental, their most fundamental responsibilities better, and then gave them the support to do it over time. When we talk about things like buy-in and the commitment from the learner's part in engaging in some of these different strategies or getting to the depth of knowledge and these concepts that you all are sharing, uh, there's a big culture piece there that I, I'd love to learn a little more about what it feels like, for example, you know, as Hadley was sharing there a moment ago, yes, there's like a professionalism that comes with, I go and watch somebody else and I come back and I'm better as a teacher because I got the opportunity to witness, watch, learn from somebody else doing something that's related that helps me improve. But I also would imagine that there's a little bit of a culture piece to that as well, to be able to uh, have the space and to be encouraged to go to another classroom, to see your peers excelling at something that you're also working with them to get better for the betterment of students and then for students to sort of feel that too, right? I got to think when I see my teacher down the hall come in to learn from what we're learning, uh, do you feel that? Uh, is there anything to that, I guess? I'd love to know, as classroom teachers, uh, is there kind of a vibe to this almost whenever you really start to get this into practice? I think so, for sure. I can't speak to what the culture was like before, but it does feel like we're definitely a team. Like we, we all get very excited to go to the next professional development because I feel like too, a lot of it has to do with the consistency you know, we're meeting on a regular basis. We're still talking about math. We always bring up our goals. We always rehash that and remind ourselves why we're doing it. And I feel like that helps keep us with the right momentum, I guess. Yeah, I feel like too, and I know I, I don't have much experience beforehand, but I feel like I can go to pretty much any of them and ask questions. And I feel like we're doing that a lot, especially like we don't have a ton of time to do it. So 
the fact that we're able to meet on a consistent basis and each time too, we're, we're learning like an additional piece that we're going to add. It's not overwhelming. Like we will add one thing to fold in and then now we're learning the next thing the next month. And then I think too, at the end of last year, I think when we saw the data from the IPGs, from instruction partners, I think it was very validating to see that the work we were putting in all year, like how much time we put into it actually paid off because we did see a huge improvement, which I think just felt really great that our time was was worth it. We did something great. And I think the culture is kind of shifting too. And I think this goes to the, the fall through is that we're we're willing to struggle through it. So um, struggling um, as a teacher in the past or at any time, it can be, you can feel like, oh my goodness, I'm struggling and everybody else got, you know, has it. But here we've really, you know, our struggles, we can bring those to the table and, and they're, you know, everyone's good with it. And we realize that if we want to change and improve, um, just like a kid, there's a productive struggle. It's going to be the same as teachers. So I think the culture has, has kind of is shifting to where we're okay with that. Because we know that this is a long-term thing. This isn't, here's your, you know, presented with something. Now you have it and now you do it perfectly. Um, and we all are in the same boat if that's not realistic. But we can see the long-term, this is a long-term process and that we're going to struggle through and we're going to struggle through together. And we're going to, you know, we're going to share what's difficult. And it's probably going to be another teacher's same things difficult for them. And, you know, we're going to work through it. So I think just the, the idea that this is a long-term process, that it's not going to be perfect, but we're going to struggle through it. And we're going to get there. It's been great to see that shift because, it, you know, it's brought us closer as teachers. Gosh, witnessing like all the student discourse and like them accepting more of that, like cognitive load, I think Tara was referring to earlier. Is teaching math more fun with these opportunities to let it be a little more student driven and to uh, see them grow in the ways that you all have talked about? I mean, that that's we all show up every day for those things. Right. And so I got to think, too, that though, I'm I, well, I don't want to presume too much. Though there may have been a little bit of a dip at the start of things, perhaps, right, as you're kind of getting used to those. Uh, well, speak to your experience, I guess, with that. Yeah, so it was definitely difficult at first. Um, and it was difficult for the students at first because they were asked to do a, a lot more. And it wasn't as clear to exactly what they were supposed to do. But I think it's allowed a lot of kids, I think they've really enjoyed it now that they understand it. Because um, with math, I mean, there's a key concept that they have to understand, but the way that you explain that or show that or even demonstrate it can be completely different and it has been really fun to see the ways that students come up with the answers um the way their brain is, is thinking about it and it, it's amazed me I, I mean Mr. Rodnaus was in my room the other day and this they were working with fractions and the kids solved this and we both thought like I would never think about it that way but that's 100% correct and that shows you truly understand it so those are the things that we got excited about when we started seeing the kids that are understanding, um, not just copying what the teacher does. And, you know, he writes it on the board this way. So I write it on the board. When we actually start seeing the kids are understanding this and are then able to apply it, you finally feel that the struggle for the first first year and a half, first two years was was worth it when we start seeing some of those girls. But again, I can see that you know, Aiden's coming in a little bit later where she's just on the back end of maybe it's already going better for her. I don't know. But. Yeah, even I would say even daily you know, two things can be true at once. It can be a lot of fun and it's a lot of fun for me to try new things. Um, but there's definitely that struggle for them. But I feel like just like we're saying with the whole program in general, we're trying to shift their mindset to struggle is okay. And I would say it's more rewarding when they are figuring things out and they are trying different things. The fact that they're able 
to succeed eventually, I think they get more excited because it was a harder journey there, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's definitely some times where when I'm shifting the cognitive load to them where that's not their favorite thing. But I think if you stick with it and you're you're making sure you're modeling that this is important, I think they're also able to kind of jump on the train. Oh, uh, yeah, there is sort of that like cliche or pervasive perception that, well, I'm just not good at math. But if you diversify the ways in which students have access to that the concept and help them realize that they can take the route they need to get there, right? That, that's incredible. And I've read one time about this confidence competence loop that really is kind of like a chicken or egg thing, right? Like at first you're going to feel a little awkward, but then you're going to like have a little bit of success, which launches you into pursuing the next one with a little bit more grit maybe. Uh, and, and so it just kind of feeds itself over time uh, because it, I can certainly imagine that, right? That, okay, can we just go back to doing what we were doing before? Cause I'm great at the game of school and it'd be really easy to just do the thing we've always done. Uh, but when you shift that uh, onus onto the learner to ask them to step in that space, I'm sure there was a bit of a, a acceptance of that and then feeling confident in that, that grows through iterations and over time. Uh, that's what I'm hearing uh, as I hear the two of you like share with that. And Tara, from a support role, I guess, maybe not only what piece were you playing in the midst of all that, but maybe some reflections along the way, because uh, I know that you obviously have been there through a lot of that growth that we just heard about. Yeah. So um, Instruction Partners started, It's I liked the model of this because it's almost like a train the trainee. So Instruction Partners worked a lot with the ESU to help build our capacity. They were great about Zooming with us. We had pre-conference meetings, meetings, post-conference meetings all the time to help build our capacity. And then we in turn work with the leaders of the district a lot to build their capacity and goes down to the teachers. So it's been a really cool model to kind of see because you want to build the capacity. So eventually I'm mostly out of the picture and they're running their system well without me even being there. And they have, the district has picked that up so well. Brian is doing multiple walkthroughs with the vision tool where they're looking at the data consistently. And I would say, Brian has mentioned this before, his math capacity is probably a lot higher than when we started. He brings that up. He was not a math teacher. And now the things that he's, the vocabulary and the language and the discourse he's having around math is a lot different than when we started in the fall of last year and the teachers, the same thing. So building everybody's capacity and their hand in, in leading it. So teacher leaders, district leaders has really made it so they're able to take this program now and be well on their own. Um, I by no means am exiting, but I would say I will be less present than I previously was. So my role really was putting those structures in place that first year, the expectations of use, helping them make sure the IPG scores that they were doing were probably as close to correct as we could get them with evidence. And then this year it was really focused on that monthly professional development with the principles to actions around good math instruction. So I'll be coming back again, but probably less frequent. We'll still do an IPG this spring. We'll still do some peer observations. And I would still, I Dr. Brian, I'll still be back next year, but it's less frequent because they've all built their own capacity to be really good leaders of math in their district. I think that the reason going back to that culture and staff buy-in, well, first, 
it helps when you have great people. And when you have teachers that care about kids and that want the kids to succeed, I mean, we've got that at Pawnee City, no question. So it became a matter of, you know, providing those opportunities for them to grow. But you can only be as great as they're given the opportunity to be. And I think something like this provides that opportunity to do great things. And I also think the reason that the teachers have the buy-in is very similar to the reason why maybe the students have the buy-in. You know, they needed to know conceptually. You know, they needed to understand the why. In the same way that the math acceleration model really focuses on conceptualizing and understanding why a certain math process works a certain way, in the same way, teachers need to understand why it's important to teach conceptually and not give them the shortcuts that, that Hadley talked about. You know, we had some of our early elementary teachers that, I mean, they're categorical buy-in, but have completely changed the way they think about math and the way they teach math. They went from, well, to use one example, as a, a Tara alluded to, I was not a math teacher. I was an old history teacher and could have never imagined myself getting excited about math, but I am. But, you know, uh, teachers say, don't count on your fingers. You know, you, you need to learn how to do that in your head. Now we know to learn conceptually, especially at those early ages, you need to be able to visualize something like addition and subtraction. And whether it's fingers, whether it's some sort of other manipulable, that's a good thing. And so just that mindset shift for the teachers, that's why this process was so important because they, they're not just being told, do these things, they're understanding why. And it's a systems-wide type of approach that they understand and they're all on the same page. Well, thanks, Brian, for that. And it's my understanding that there's a wrap-up coming up here in March. Uh, and so if we could kind of capture some of that too for people that are interested in learning more about what that uh, looks like. So officially... Pawnee City will be done with math acceleration after this school year, since it's a two-year process. We've talked about how we know with sustainability, it's not that we'll never do math again, but the project will officially be complete. So in March, what we'll be doing is really revamping the vision. So bringing in things like the eight principles into what we want to see with students and teachers in the classroom, what are their actions We'll relook at the expectations of use, the vision tool, kind of revamp all of those things. We want to have a structure in place for where if a new teacher comes into the district, we have things ready to go. This is what Pawnee City math looks like. This is what you can expect. These are the structures we have in place, just so everyone is on that coherence, systems-wide, same page. And when we do that, just like we've done it for the past two years, everybody's at the table. So Brian has been alongside his teachers in every single meeting we've ever had. He is learning with them, having the conversations with them. And that is another reason I think that the buy-in was there is because the leadership role was involved and they were at the table having those conversations. The teacher voice is what's creating all of these documents. So it's not somebody saying, these are what we should see in the classroom. It's them identifying this is what should be in the classroom based off of our capacity that we've built over the past two years. So we'll really get a math program in place for Pawnee City and mm -hmm. then continue to look at the data every year, continue to use that data to help us lead our next professional developments and continue to observe each other in the classrooms to help grow. 
The initial program might be done at the end of this year, meaning the, the way it was structured by Department of Education and Instruction Partners, and that may be concluded, but but we're certainly not going to let Tara and the, and the service unit off the hook that easy. Um, we're going to keep bringing them here as much as possible. And, you know, as uh, don't want to get political here, but, you know, as people talk about what value does a service unit provide for districts, this is a great example. We can continue to build in time in our professional development schedule, which we're doing for next year. You know, literally, I'm uh, working on the calendar right now to bring to the school board to provide those professional development opportunities down the road. But we're going to continue to bring Tara back. And as we are just now starting the ELA acceleration process, um, we're using Tara's counterpart at the service unit, Jen Madison, to help lead that project for us. Since we've found so much value with the math acceleration, we want to do it for English language arts. And who knows what the future brings, but we're going to continue to take advantage of those resources. We know we'll have turnover. We'll know we'll have new teachers coming in. I already know that I'll have one new kindergarten teacher next year, and we'll want to bring them on board and get them familiarized with this, this process. And so we'll want to continue to provide those supports. And, you know, Tara is great about accountability even for me. And so she'll continue to set those high benchmarks, providing opportunities for us all to have productive struggle. And we'll continue to bring her back to help us make sure that we're doing the right things, have that ob objective perspective from someone on the outside coming in and continue to let data drive the decisions we make. Love all that. And in addition to the shout out to our colleague, Jen Madison. So uh, she's great as well. And excited to hear that that is also part of where Pawnee City Schools are going next. Uh, we say it every week with this, but the 30-minute time frame goes pretty fast when we're having our conversations. But I would like to offer Aiden and Hadley uh, both the opportunity to kind of bring us to a close maybe with, uh, you know, our, our audience is predominantly in Nebraska, but we certainly reach folks kind of all over the place. And whether that's a classroom practitioner or a school administrator or somebody at a regional or state level, with that in mind, I share that to say, if you could kind of leave us with a little bit of like a parting message that would be applicable to anybody listening in here that is considering maybe implementing Eureka Math or high quality instructional materials as this has kind of played out. Yeah, what would you say to them? I guess I would say like even through the struggle, the kids are worth it. Um, if you're keeping them as your central goal as to why you are putting in so much time, so much effort, so much struggle, I think just making sure that kids are at the top of your priorities. Yeah, and Hadley? Yeah, one of the, going through this, one of the things that's always stuck to me is that when I learned that the students have to be doing the thinking, right? The students need to work harder than the teacher because I think as teachers, we we care so much about the kids that we just want them to succeed, which is a good thing, but sometimes that can almost hinder us and we want to do whatever we can and we work as hard as we can just to kind of, to get them there. And it's like, we're just pulling them along and that's not actually probably benefiting the kid, right? Because as a teacher, you know, we're not going to be with them forever. So we, we have to give them the strength to pull themselves and which is hard to do because you, you want to see them get there. Um, but if they can't get there on their own and you just pull them along, you, you probably hindered them more than you, than you actually helped them when you, when you look back over it. So I think I, that would be my, I guess my encouragement is as teachers, you know, we care a lot. But we got to strengthen the kids, not just, you know, pull them along and get them there through our through our strength and our effort and our thinking that it's got to come from them. 
and great when that heart for kiddos and the want to put them in those spaces uh, aligns with the proper supports, leadership, and materials to make all those things happen. Uh, and so thank you all for sharing on today's episode, because I, I mean, I feel that like I, I'm listening to this and it's it is just so apparent in the story, the testimonials that you all here are, are providing. Uh, I want to say thanks because I always feel really inspired by our conversations that we get a chance to have on the podcast. And it's so great to get a little glimpse into math at Pawnee City Schools here in Nebraska to be able to be inspired by the good work that you're doing and also uh, hopefully let others feel connected to that as well and proud of the good things that are going on in our state. So thank you so much for all the time, effort, energy that goes into that, uh, for joining us to share out and invite others into your story today uh, and give us the opportunity to be a platform to get that out. Uh, so the podcast, you know, is something that we have a lot of fun with and so really grateful that you all took the time to tell your story. So Thank you all. And if folks are looking for links related to some of the things we talked about in today's episode, I'll try to add some of that to the show notes. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm thinking Eureka Math. We can put some things down from the Department of Education to kind of point to some of those materials and, and more. So thank you all. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you.